Hi guys, I'm Hazel and welcome to my channel. Today I'm going to talk about mental health. So when you are thinking about mental health, do you remember a movie called Joke? Let's watch a clip of that movie. You're serious, aren't you? You're telling us you killed those three young men on the subway? Mm-hmm. And why should we believe you? You got nothing left to lose? Definitely, we would not connect mental health with any violence since we are not joke. Before we share definition or some important points of mental health, let's listen to Professor Jordan Peterson's speech. He's talking about the reason for almost all mental illnesses. Sometimes people's lives become so complex that they'd rather be dead. So, and the reason they seek death with, through suicide is to make the complexity go away. Because complexity causes suffering if it's uncontrolled. You know, things just get beyond your control. Um, and that can happen, you know, if you're hit by three or four catastrophes at the same time. You know, maybe you have, if, oh, the political system collapses, there's hyperinflation, you lose your job and you have someone that you love or two people die and maybe you get cancer something like that like that those things happen to people and they just think well there's no getting out of this like it's just too much and you know one of the things that's very interesting about being a psychologist is that what you learn if you're going to be a psychologist is that people come to you with mental illnesses and that's almost never true people come to you because their lives are so damn complicated they cannot stay on top of them in any way that doesn't make it look like they're just going to get more complicated and so then that causes symptoms you know it's like it's this old idea it's sort of a metaphor for genetic susceptibility take a balloon and blow it up until it's beyond its tolerance it's going to blow out at the weakest point so after listening to his speech what do you think of mental health okay so let me just ask you guys some questions at first when you would feel stressed, have you ever seen a clinical psychologist and look for his advice? What kind of thing that would make you freak out? I guess most people would say when they have so many assignments due and the deadline is tomorrow, they will feel super tired and stressed. When we are talking about mental health, the first thing comes to your mind would could be mental disorder or mental illness, but they are only parts of mental health. Mental health seems like a continuum, or we can call a stair. If we go downstairs, we may have mental disorders like depression or anxiety. While if we go upstairs, we have states of positive mental health. We fulfill our needs and live satisfying lives. The World Healthy Organization describes mental health as a state of well-being in which every individual realizes his or her own potential can cope cope with the normal stresses of life, can work productively, and he or she is, is able to make a contribution to the community. Like feeling in control, being confident, feeling good about yourself, maintain good relationships with others, with the outside world. When we feel stressed, worried, anxious, sad, or angry, we have to know all these normal emotions. However, when these emotions become severe enough that any of them would interfere with one's ability to function daily, these feelings become persistent over time, then it can develop into a mental health problem. Overall, mental health is really a big picture. 
And today, I want to focus on children's mental health. Maybe a comparison between the United States and China. Mental health problems in children have created a health crisis over the world, and mental health in childhood is characterized by the achievement of development and emotional milestones, healthy social development, and effective coping skills, such that mental healthy children have a positive quality of life and can function well at home, in school, and in their communities. But children's mental health problems affect a growing number of young generations. They impact these children and their families in all aspects of their lives, and their consequences are costly and often tragic. As I mentioned above, all these definitions and all these important points and theories of mental health apply to children's mental health as well, according to U.S. Department. Of health and human service, mental disorders among children are described as serious deviations from expected cognitive, social, and emotional development. This is a general criteria, or we can call a general standard. But different countries vary detailed standards for evaluation of children's mental health. But children's mental health has become an important public health issue in both. Those two countries, because of their prevalence, early onset, and negative impacts on the child, family, community, and school. In terms of its official public health website, an estimated total annual cost of children's mental treatment in the United States reaches to two hundred and forty-seven billion. A total of around twenty percent of children living in this country experience a mental disorder in a year. And surveillance of CDC during the past ten years has shown the prevalence of these conditions to be increasing. Suicide, which can result from the interaction of mental disorders and other factors, was the second leading cause of death among children aged from 12 to 17 years in 2010. Obviously, we can see that the United States pays attention to children's mental health since 1980s, while in China. Because of the different situation of development, it focuses on children's mental health until 1990s. Most researchers focus on children aged from six to twelve years old. Well, I have to say there is a slight difference between these two countries, because in America, like people who are younger than 18, they are considered as children. While in China, we usually define children as a kind of like a group of people who. Is around like twelve years old. Go back to our study. The detection rate of psychological problems in the general student population is basically between two percent and thirty percent. The result shows that those mental disorders, like thirty percent of them, belong to the learning aspect, forty percent of them to the interpersonal aspect, and another thirty percent to the other aspects. Psychological behavior problems in learning, self, interpersonal relationships, life, and social adaptation are the main aspects of the manifestations of psychological unhealthy in elementary school students. Both American and Chinese researchers of children's mental health agree that family background and education play very important roles in children's mental development, and parenting seems the priority. During early childhood, we have to know more than 100 billion neurons develop and connect to configure brain networks, 
through interactions of genetics, environment, and experience. Through interaction, we grow up and become the person we want to be or we are taught to be to some extent. Parenting itself is shaped and afforded meaning by culture. But as we all know, cultural context is a variable, which means parents from different countries would have different methods to raise and care for their children. In the most general sense, parenting consists of care of the young in preparing them to manage the tasks of life. Parents provide childhood experience and populate environments that guide children's development and so contribute to child mental health. It is clear to say children do not grow up in isolation, but in multiple contexts. And one notable context of parenting and child mental health is culture. Every culture is characterized and distinguished from other cultures by deep-rooted and widely acknowledged ideas about how one needs to fear, to think, and act as a functioning member of the culture. As parents subscribe to particular conventions of a culture, they are likely to follow the mainstream, or we can say follow prevailing cultural scripts when they are raising their children. In other words, culture influences when and how parents care for children, what parents expect of their children, and which behaviors parents appreciate or emphasize or reward or discourage and punish. Okay, so after illustrating so many universal theories about the relationship between parenting and culture, let's do some interesting things. Yes, comparison. Just as cultural variation clearly dictates the language children eventually speak, cultural variation exerts significant and differential influences over mental, emotional, and social development of children. Culture is also maintained and transmitted by influencing parental cognitions that in turn shape parenting practices. Like Mr. Bornstein points out, like American mothers promote autonomy and organize social interactions with their children so as to foster psychological or physical and verbal assertiveness and independence. So, for instance, in the United States, personal choice is closely bound up with how individuals think of themselves and make sense of their lives. Personal choice is built firmly on principles of liberty and freedom, and is a persistent and significant psychological construct in the literature on the United States parenting and child children's mental health. While Chinese parents also encourage children to express feelings and transmit personal ideas, compared to individuality, they seem to pay more attention to collectivism. When I was a primary school student, my mom always told me to be kind, to be friendly, patient when I was making friends with others. To me, it seems that Chinese parents would be more pleasant to say their children can accommodate to the environment. Yeah, interaction. Through interaction, they could accommodate the schools, they could make new friends in a new place. According to CDC's report, European American parents are more likely to engage in authoritative parenting that emphasize the growth of separation and autonomy with a supportive and responsive relationship, while African American and Asian American parents tend to engage in authoritarian parenting with its greater emphasis on obedience. And American children are encouraged to discuss their own feelings and 
as a way to increase your understanding of emotion and ability to regulate it. While Chinese families encourage attunement to the feelings of others, but restrain the expression of own feelings as key to group harmony, and Chinese parents remind children of their past transgressions using storytelling, for example, to teach social norms and behavioral standards, and to engender a sense of shame over bad behavior. In contrast, American parents avoid stories of transgression, so. They want. They don't want to damage their children's self-esteem. Well, I have to say this really depends on different situations. Nowadays, in most Chinese families, right, equity, freedom are popular issues. More and more parents consider the importance of independence and individuality, which indicates ch- children's individuality is well considered. Like my mom. My mom would always encourage me to do something I want, and we often exchange ideas or share opinions towards a specific topic with each other. But I do believe we think more about, like, group harmony more often compared to other countries. After talking about parenting, let's pay attention to education. Like Dr. Elizabeth Farmer stated, that the education sector plays a central role as a point of entry into the mental health system. To help us dive into this field today, we honor to invite two wonderful guests. First is Dr. Darius. She's an associate professor of psychology, a member of the American Psychological Association. Plus, Dr. Darius is active in the community, bringing her experience of psychology. To bear on community issues such as sustainable development, unfortunately, because of technical issues, we cannot upload her voice. But we have recorded her answers, so I will read her answers for you guys. And the first is she defines mental health in her own words, and she gave us some examples about children's mental health. So here we go. Mental health consists of having a level of psychological well-being and functionality where a person is able to complete their activities without interference from psychological symptoms, and be in general agreement with their social group. If behaviors interfere with activities that are considered normal and necessary, like going to work or getting up in the morning, and if society considers the behavior abnormal, a person is said to be. To have a mental health problem, in the field of psychology, there is a very formal classification of psychological disorders that spans a range, including thinking disorders, mood disorders, and childhood development disorders, among others. And one example of a time that children can suffer mental health issues is when they are witness to family domestic violence. There is a good bit of research evidence that supports this, and explores how children can become anxious or depressed as a result of witnessing domestic violence. They can also suffer from various types of trauma. The second question is about, like, how cultural background or family background influences a child's mental development. And Dr. Daya said, one kind of stress is acculturation stress. And intergenerational cultural stress. For example, in families of immigrants, it is common for the parents to adhere to the customs of their home culture, while the children grow up in host culture with a different set of norms. This can cause stress in the family, which can affect a child's development and the way they see themselves in the world. 
If there is a acculturation stress, the child could fail out of place or have a poor self-esteem. And here is another guest, Miss Chen. Is a Chinese English teacher in primary school. She's an amiable and patient teacher that lots of students like talking with her. Besides, Miss Chen helped the school hold some public events. So, welcome. So here is my question: Do you agree that if a person fails to live up to social norms, then he is mentally disabled? For instance, a student cannot control his stress or lose temper easily. Before becoming a primary school teacher, I have learned several courses about children's psychology. In the field of psychology, as you said, if a person fails to live up to the social norms, then he is mentally disabled. Well, it is a matter of degree. If a person loses their temper occasionally and maybe yells at someone or his classmates, it is not necessarily a sign of children's mental illness. If This is consistent and damaging to the person or to the school. There is likely to be a diagnosis made of mental disorder, such as an in-class control disorder. There is room inside social norms for people to have a range of behavior before it is considered an abnormal. Okay, so what do you think about the role of childhood in one's mental development? I personally think it is very important. Most theories of personality development believe that childhood experiences help shape people, and can affect them into adulthood. Whatever it is as a result of beliefs people are taught, or traumatic events, childhood is a time of development, and research indicates it can carry over for many years and affect function. Nowadays, we are trying to focus on special groups of children, those whose parents work far away from home or live in single-parent families. Since we all know divorce to a young student's mental health is a challenge, some students are reluctant to receive the consequence that their parents would separate and they have to make a choice. As teachers, we are supposed to give support and talk with students more. Recently, our school is going to host an event, establish a cooperated relationship with a local child children development centre. We try to encourage parents and students to participate in activities to strengthen the family bond. Academic processing is important, but The perfect condition of advanced performance is to be mentally healthy. Thank you, thank you for your answers. Since now we are facing a big challenge, yeah, because of the pandemic, almost everyone have to stay at home. They cannot hang out with with friends. They cannot go to movie theater. Yeah, we cannot strengthen our relationship with the outside world. So here are some useful tips for you guys from Doctor Dyers to keep a positive mind in this tough period. A big one is to assume responsibility for oneself and making empowering choices that support health at all levels, physical, mental, emotional, social, and spiritual. Learning about health and about how stress impacts health is very important, so that we can mitigate the effects of stress. And stress has 
been shown to be involved in most health issues, including depression and other psychological issues. As we maintain self-awareness, mindfulness, and treat our minds, bodies, and emotions well, through healthy food, friendships, and activities that we are rewarding, we naturally feel more positive about ourselves and the whole world. So that is the end of our talk show. So remember, no matter what kind of situation you are in, just be positive, be confident, be bored, and be yourself. The hope is always waiting for us. So thank you for listening. Hope to see you guys next time. And if you have any questions, feel free to email me so I could give you some personal advice. And at last, don't forget to subscribe to my channel. So bye.